Thank you Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We want to just start with a word of prayer. I like to sometimes begin the message coming out of what we've done, our worship and our wonderful time of singing together to, to just remember something about our, our church or community of the world. And I asked the Lord this morning, I said, what would you like me to pray for? And it's the same thing that's been on my heart every day this week. And I feel like I to pray for the Ukraine today. They're having a very different kind of Easter this year. Mostly uh, as Christians, they're Orthodox. They actually celebrate next week, I believe. We're going to just pray for them right now in their sorrow and what they are going through. Let's just bow for a moment and pray. Lord God, we lift up today the people of the Ukraine. Lord, in the hardship they are going through. Lord, the war that they are, they are, they are enduring. We pray for an end to all hostilities and all killing. Lord, we just pray that you would, you would bring that to an end and that you would the lives of the people there, that you would protect the lives of the innocent ones, you'd protect the lives of soldiers, you'd protect the lives of all who are there, Lord, all who are fleeing, Lord, we pray for refugees coming out of Ukraine, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would keep families together, and you reunite families that are separated, Father. And Lord, we just pray that in the midst of that, those that are celebrating you, Lord, this this week or next, Lord, celebrating your resurrection, that they would see that your resurrection is greater than all things, that you bring them peace. Where the world around them would not be at peace, you can bring peace. And so I just would pray for peace for the people of Ukraine. Lord, and all around the world who struggle as refugees, who are are running away from, from terrible situations, Lord, where there is war and where there's hardship and oppression and persecution. Lord, we pray for relief. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who comes to save. And always, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so glad to be here with you this morning for Easter morning. Uh, A happy Easter to all of you. And I want to start by talking about darkness for a minute. Kind of an odd way to start uh, an Easter message, but I want to talk about darkness, and I want to ask you, have you ever walked into a dark room and you didn't know where the light was? Let's just, let's just, you know, put a scenario together. You're at a friend's house. They say, hey, can you go in my basement and get something out of the basement? You go, sure, but you've never been in their basement before. So you begin to walk into the basement. You go through the door. You walk down the steps. You're feeling around for the light switch next to the door, but there is no light switch. And so you realize this is one of those old basements that has a light in the middle with a pull string. Who thought that was a good idea to put the light switch in the middle of the room? You got to walk through in the dark, but you say, well, there's light behind me because there's a door open. So I'll just make my way carefully. So you make your way carefully down the stairs and you get to the bottom of the stairs and suddenly the door shuts behind you. You're plunged into complete darkness. And you think, oh shoot, where's my phone? So you get, you, you feel around for your phone, but you left it upstairs in the kitchen. So no phone, no light. And you think, well, I know where that light switch is. I I saw the pull string. So you you keep walking. And so you're walking across this basement just very tentatively. The floors are creaking under your feet. And suddenly you hear a rustling over to the right. And now you think, are there mice in here (laughs) or other things? Am I alone in this basement? And so, you know, you peer very carefully over there, trying to make your eyes see in the dark, you know, if something's moving. And then you realize all you can see is like shadowy blobs. And come to think about it, like the whole basement's full of these weird shadowy blobs. Like, what is that? And what is that? And it looks very weird. Like, why? Am I alone in this basement? What is in this basement? And then you think, shake, shake out of it. I mean, come on. I'm just in a basement. So 
you keep walking, and you take a couple more steps, and then you step on something kind of squishy, and you go, oh, no, and then, then something rustles again. And by now, the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. And you're like, do I go forward? Do I go back? Where's that light? I don't like the darkness. Great start to a horror movie, don't you think? Wouldn't that be good? Y'all want to know what happens next. You're going to have to go see the movie. But darkness is scary, right? Even for grown-ups. I mean, you, we all would get a little freaked out in that kind of a moment, wouldn't we? Well, not only for humans, but our little furry friends also feel that way. My dog, Biscuit, wanted to make appearance for Easter. So there she is. And I have a little story to tell about Biscuit in the dark as well. Where we used to live, we lived right next to a park. And that park uh, had all kinds of, and that's where we would walk her every day to go to the bathroom several times a day. And the park had tons of toys strewn about in it because people would bring their old riding toys and balls and trucks and things for the kids to play with. So they were there all the time, all these toys kind of strewn about in the park. And Biscuit you know, walked up and down next to that park every single day and went to the bathroom every single day. She's 15 years old. For many, many, many years, she would walk by all those toys. But Biscuit, while she is super cute and a very sweet dog, it's not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, if you've got my drift. And so we would walk her sometimes at night, and she would go out there, and we'd try to block her from seeing them, but she would always end up seeing these shadowy blobs out there in, in the dark, the toys. But they would look shadowy to her, and so in her little tiny dog brain, she would think, those are evil monsters bent on destruction, and I need to protect the master. And so she would just get into her growl, which, you know, doesn't look very fierce, if you can imagine, but she'd get into her growl and start barking, 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 and she would not go to the bathroom. She wouldn't do anything. We would have to just drag her back into the house and try to find another place. The dark is strange, right? It makes things that would ordinarily not bother you at all. You wouldn't think twice about them. But then in the dark, suddenly they're frightening. They're scary. And this is not just true in the physical world, of course. It's true in our life as well. So much of life is dark. It's unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. It's very uncertain. And it can be very frightening, very unsettling. Good Friday, while Jesus was on the cross... We read this in Matthew 27, 45 to 46. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. This is after three hours of darkness. He cried out, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was darkness, even a note of despair in Jesus on the cross. Jesus, who's the Son of God and who knows everything, who is in constant communion with the Father who is God, and yet he also felt the darkness. And if he did, so won't we. Of course, we are going to feel the darkness. There's going to be situations in our life where it's going to feel very dark, very unknown. Now, we all understand that because we just came out of a couple years of COVID, has that been a little bit of darkness, a little bit of unknown? Do you remember when we first shut down back in March of 2020, how uncertain everything was? We had no idea what was going on. We were getting stories out of China. Remember, we were getting stories out of the city where hospitals were overflowing with people who were terribly sick. 
there were morgues, you know, makeshift morgues in the street, and we didn't know how this thing was spreading or what was happening. So much unknown, so much fear. Do you remember that we used to wash groceries? Isn't that funny? We used to wash our groceries because we just didn't know. We didn't know how does this thing spread? How fast does it spread? Who does it spread to? Who's going to die from it? Who's not? I mean, it was very, very frightening. Very unknown. The darkness and unknowing is scary, but it's not just, of course, COVID. It's true in all of our lives, right? Some of us right now are in an unknowing place with our jobs. We're not sure if we're going to keep this job because layoffs are coming. So we're not sure about that. We're not sure if our job is going to pay the bills, if it's going to pay for my kid going off to college or whatever is going on in my life. We're not sure financially how that's all going to play out. Sometimes we have darkness when it comes to our families, our marriages are uncertain. Maybe our children are getting older. We're not sure how they're going to turn out. We're not sure why our teenager is suddenly so moody and angry all the time and why they seem to shut themselves in their room. We don't know. It's very unknown. Darkness can happen when it comes to our physical bodies, right? Our, our illnesses and our uh, diseases and It's kind of, you know, every time you go to the doctor, I find the older I get, every time I go to the doctor, I kind of like hold my breath, right? Then they talk about the the results of those blood tests. You just don't know. No, no, there's always so much unknown around what could be happening. And even as a young person, uh, you can be unknown. It can can be the moment when you say, is somebody going to sit with me at lunch? Am I going to be all alone? Am I going to have a friend? Is somebody going to bully me or bully my friend? And what about those tests? You know, what, what's going to happen when mom sees what I got on that test? It's going to be a problem. So life is full of darkness. It's un, full of unknowing. And then everything changes when you turn on the light. Right? When you go down in that basement and when you finally get to the middle and you turn on that pull string, well, my goodness, it's just boxes and lamps and old things. There's nothing scary down there. When it's daytime, Biscuit just runs right by the toys. She doesn't even think twice about it. When we can see, when we go from darkness to light, the fear goes away. So the story of Easter is Jesus going from darkness to light, from Good Friday to Easter. On Good Friday, he was laid in a dark tomb, dead, truly dead. Not fainted, not just hurt but he was truly dead, truly in the dark place. But then the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and out came Jesus, shining in light. He went from darkness to light, and how did it happen? I want to talk for a little bit today about how that happened. And we, it's funny, we kind of alluded to already in the songs that we sang today, and I don't think they knew that I was going to be talking about that. It's because of the power of God. That he went from darkness to light, and it's by the power of God that you and I can go from darkness to light in our world. So let's just read this from Ephesians 1, 18 to 21. It says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, okay, this is the power that's for us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. This verse is saying an amazing thing, that we, you and me, in our own struggle with darkness, with unknowing, with fears, with anxieties, with sicknesses, that we can go from darkness to light because we have the same power that was in Jesus, the incomparably great power. 
that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead. Resurrection is what Easter is about, not just Jesus' resurrection. We just sang it. Jesus, is, he's resurrecting me. He's resurrecting me. We can go from darkness to light. The great Chinese church leader, writer, and evangelist, Watchman Nee, who spent the 20 years of his life in a Chinese prison, persecuted for his faith, put it this way, our old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with our resurrection. Amen. Resurrection is not just for the end of days, it's for now, that he is resurrecting us by the power of God. So I hope if you're not into that right now, you will be by the time I'm done. That you'll be convinced that God can resurrect us and can bring us into, from darkness into light. And I just want to talk a little bit about what the power of God did at Easter. What that's all about. The power of God, first of all, rolls away stones. The power of God rolls away stones. After Jesus was crucified, we know the story that his body was put in a tomb and a stone was placed in front of the tomb to keep, as Susan said, to keep, keep no, everybody from coming out and nobody from coming in. Soldiers were stationed around it so nobody would, would steal the body. And after three days, this is what happened. Let's hear it in Matthew 28, 1 6. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he laid. The mighty power of God raised Jesus from the dead and caused that earthquake to move the stone. And sometimes it takes an earthquake to move our stones, doesn't it? It takes an earthquake to dislodge those stones in us that, that may be blocking the light. You and I can go for a long time in the darkness, just kind of doing our thing day in, day out, working, eating, going to bed. Did you ever wake up and go, where did the last year go? Where did the last five years go? How many times do you show up on day and you say, is it already 2022? What happened to 2021? We're going to say it when it's 2023. We'll be like, what happened to 2020? We're already in April of 2022. Time just flies. It's like a blur. And here's what earthquakes do. Earthquakes wake us up out of the stupor. They kind of force us to, to assess what's important in our life to our purpose. And sometimes they can wake us up to our need for God. Sometimes the earthquakes in our life are dramatic and powerful. Sometimes they're losses and diseases and painful problems, problems with our marriages or with our kids, financial troubles. Those are the big earthquakes, the hard earthquakes. But there's, there's smaller earthquakes that even aren't all bad. Things like having a child. That's an earthquake. <laughs> that is a big earthquake. It's a great earthquake, but it's a big earthquake. Moving changing jobs. These are the earthquakes of our lives. And in many ways, they're a blessing from God because they are a wake-up call. We begin to assess what's important in our lives. This has certainly been true through COVID. It's certainly true in all the earthquakes of our lives. We begin to say, what's, what's really important? What are my priorities? Who do I want to be spending time with? And then we start to ask even deeper questions. How, how do I cope with the constant problems and the sorrows of life? 
What's the purpose of all of this? Is there actually a God who loves me? And is there any way to go through this well? Is there a better way to live? There's a reason that as they say, there's no atheists in foxholes. Because the extreme earthquake of war and of imminent potential death forces us to come to the end of ourselves. And when we come to the end of ourselves, I guarantee you will find that there's God. He's the one that's there at the end of ourselves. Only God can help us in our darkest moments, in our earthquakes. This is the hidden blessing of change. He's always there for you. If you've ever gone through a 12-step program, you know that the very first step of the program is acknowledging the earthquake. What's the first step? It says, my life has become unmanageable. That's the first step of admitting that you need to change. And that's admitting the earthquake. It's acknowledging it. And then it goes on to say, how do you, how do you deal with that? It's by giving your life over to the care of God. And so I believe that this is, this is something for all of us, not just for those who have addictions. I really believe that this is a revelation that needs to come to every single one of us somehow, some way, at some point, that we need God. We need him. We, we can stumble along without him, but it gets harder and harder the older you get, I swear. And I think, how could you do this without him? We realize life's hard and full of changes. I'm often dissatisfied, angry, <laughs> discontented. I've got wounds I don't know what to do with, behaviors I don't know how to stop, stresses that I don't know how to manage. I'm done. I want to look back. I, I want to look back five years from now and not say, oh, what did I do with those five years? I want my life to have purpose and meaning and to, and to count. So how can we turn our lives over to the care of God? That's the question for today. Can we turn our lives over to the care of God and the earthquakes that God brings? The power of God is in our life, and he wants to work through those earthquakes to draw us to him. And now listen, there's many of you here today who've been walking with Jesus a long time. You're believers. You're like, I know, I've turned to God for care. But you know what? Earthquakes help us too to reassess where we are in our faith. If we've gotten a little stagnant, if we've gotten a little stuck in, our mud, in the mud, and if we're going to go deeper still with him in the midst of that earthquake, we're going to trust him more, or if we're going to just pull back and withdraw and withdraw from people, withdraw from others. We can get really comfortable in dim rooms, even as a believer. Rooms just dim, but the faith is not transforming us and healing us and pouring out of us. So I don't know about you, but I want my faith to matter. I want my faith to pour out of me. I want the power of God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead to be the same power that's working in me so that when I am in a problem, when I am in a trial, like the resilient faith we're going to be talking about, that I can say, I see God. I, I trust him in the midst of this. And his peace is mine. A peace that passes all understanding that makes no sense based on what's going on around me. But I'm going to have that peace in God because I trust him. This is a place we can get to. You do not have to be a super Christian to get there. You can be a regular Christian, an ordinary Christian. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Earthquakes shake us up, but if we let the power of God roll away the stone, the light streams in. And who does the light reveal? The light reveals Jesus, who's loved you through. Every earthquake that has ever come and every earthquake that is to come, it's Jesus. Who's calling to you right now and me, saying, come with me, come deeper with me, it's Jesus. 
who will never leave you or forsake you and is with you through all that you go through. It is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the power of God rolls away stones. May it roll away some stones in our life this week, this, this year as we go forward from Easter. The second thing the power of God gives us, gives us is courage to face the truth. Sometimes you and I will do anything we can to stay in our comfort zones. Is that not true? It's so comfortable in our comfort zones. <laughs> I have a struggle with myself every single morning. I, uh, I set my alarm for 6 or 6.30 a.m. That should not be a big problem, except that I have a tendency to lie in bed at night and play games on my iPad. <laughs> and there's just one more level, and then there's one more level, and oh, you know, just take a second to do one more level, and y'all are laughing because you know you do it too, okay? Not alone. And we think it's just young people, you know, but it's not. I, you know, we all got our iPads and our phones, and we like those games. They're very addicting. And so then all of a sudden it's 10.30, and then it's 11, and then it's 11.30, and then it's 12, and I'm like... Oh, I'm going to hate myself in the morning. We have a phrase about this in my household. My son, Nate, used to say when he would stay up too late or procrastinate something he has to get done later or do something he knew he'd regret later, he'd say, that's future Nate's problem. (laughs) And boy, does future Nate hate past Nate. (laughs) Hates him. He's a sucker, that one. So yeah, I, I kind of, I have a future Beth problem. It's a future Beth. And so now at six in the morning, my alarm's going off and I'm like, I don't want to get up. It's so comfortable in my bed. So warm. We got a new mattress when we moved here. It's so good. And so anyway, so puffy, puffy mattress, you know, I should get a, a, a cut for that. Um, but it's a great mattress. And so I'm so comfortable in the bed. I don't want to get up. And so what I do is I set my alarm for five minutes. And then it goes off, beep, and then and I set it for another five minutes, I fall back to sleep, and then it goes off and beep, and then I set it for another five minutes, and then another five minutes, and then finally Paul's like, are you ever getting out of bed? <laughs> of course, it's waking him up as well as me. It's so hard to leave our comfort zone, isn't it? When it comes to doing the easy thing, often refusing to see what's right in front of you is the easiest thing. Because what's right in front of us might cause us to have to change some things. And uh, I'm always amazed by the story of the soldier in this Easter story. So I want to read to you a little bit about this. Um, because they basically made up a story, even though the truth was right in front of them. It's kind of crazy. So we, we read about the women coming to the tomb. It's empty. They, she, they talk to the soldiers. They actually see Jesus. And then they go running to tell the disciples. And then the next thing that happens is this. Matthew 28, 11 to 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. I think the funny thing about the story is that the soldiers knew what had happened. I mean, they were there. If anyone knew, they knew. They were there. They saw the stone. They saw the earthquake. They saw the angel. They saw all of it. But they couldn't face the truth. They lied about it anyway. And I just always wonder why. I wonder what was it about the truth that made them afraid, maybe, or uncomfortable? Maybe they would have been rejected by their family if they confessed faith in Jesus. Maybe they would have been kicked out of their Roman job. Maybe they would have even been killed for it. We don't know exactly. 
But if anyone knew Jesus had risen from the dead, it was them. So I think it's true for us sometimes too as well that we can have the evidence of God's love and care for you right in front of you. And yet we're just not so sure that we want to step into faith. I'll think about spiritual things later when I'm older or when my kids are grown or when I really need it. Just, it would kind of mess things up right now. Let's not get so comfortable in the dark that we distract ourselves from the relentless tapping of God because Jesus is tapping at our souls. He's always tapping at our souls. Whether we know him or not, he's tapping. He's saying, come, come further with me. Come along with me. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you. And he can give us the courage to see him, to acknowledge him, to, to see the, the truth that's right in front of our eyes. I want to show you a couple of beautiful pictures for a moment here. This is, this is creation. And when I look at creation, I say, how could there not be a God? And so I look at, you know, this is a, a bike path. This is so green. Look at all the greens in that. I mean, how many greens did God make? So beautiful. So beautiful. Next one is a sunset actually over Hudson River up in New York. Beautiful sunset. Beautiful park looking over the water. Next one is actually from Turkey. This is very near Laodicea. This is a, one of the hot springs uh, in Turkey. It's just spectacular that it looks like that. And then uh, a mount, some mountains in Turkey come next. Beautiful lakes and mountains. And then some mountains from Spain, actually. Really high peaks. Very different from the last mountains, right? Just when, when I see things like this, I think God's hand had to have created that. It didn't just come into being. It didn't have to be that beautiful, but God did that for us. He loves us. So, so this is one of those things that we can look at and say, I, I, I need to assess in my mind what this means. Because if God created this, then there's a God in the universe. And that's a step. That's a step toward him. The second thing we can see, we can, we can look at, is the truth about the resurrection of Jesus. I don't have time this morning to go into why we feel, why we believe that Jesus really did rise from the dead, that it's a historical fact. To help you with that, we actually have little booklets out in the lobby. And so if any of you are questioning that, you, say, you think, I don't know about this, I, I'm not sure, grab one of these books. They're free to you. You can just take one. It's called The Case for Easter. And it talks about why we believe that this resurrection really happened. It's not crazy. It's real. We can see the truth about Jesus and other things as well. The strange coincidences that we know aren't coincidences. The way that people's lives are transformed when they come to him. The answers to prayer. My kids used to call them God sightings. Little things where they'd see God moving in different places. The power of God is all around us and will give us the courage to open up our eyes and see him. It takes courage. No question about it. But I'm challenging you this morning. I'm challenging you to pray a prayer, something like this. Give me courage, Jesus, to open my eyes and heart to your light. Just to see. Just give me courage to open. Show me that you're there. And I believe that God will show himself to us. Amen. The last thing I want to say about the power of God this morning is that the resurrecting power of God overcomes our fears. And we're going to read one last piece of the story that I want us to hear. Matthew 28, 8. It says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I love how it says they were afraid and filled with joy, how you can have both of those emotions at the same time. I know it's true because if you 
go on a roller coaster, you are afraid and filled with joy at the same time. Am I right? You know, you're going up, 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 up. You know what's hap- about to happen, right? And so your stomach's going. So you're afraid, you're filled with joy, and then you go over the top, and you might look a little bit like this. That's afraid and filled with joy. That's what that is right there. See, the women who saw the empty tomb were afraid. They were afraid. They thought they knew who Jesus was. Down there. <laughs> you can close that one off. They thought they... If we have to keep looking at that, we're going to be uh, distracted. There we go. Thank you. The women who saw the empty tomb were afraid. They thought they knew who Jesus was. But this was beyond what they thought. They did not expect a risen Savior, a God who would come back from the dead. They did not expect that. A true encounter with the encounter with the power of God is always a fearsome and awe-inspiring thing. It's not easy to reach out for God because if God is real and I come to him, then it might change my life. If he's real, then he really is holy and powerful and great, the creator of all things, maker of the earthquake and maker of the mountains. And what does it mean for me to go to a God like that and say, I want to know you? I want to... I want to follow you. What does that mean? It's a fearsome thing. Let us never take that for granted, even as believers. How awesome and fearsome and awe-inspiring it is that we get to follow the creator of all things, the king of the universe. And let's realize that he's taken us on a journey. He's got new things for us. He doesn't like to let us just stay in that darkness, in that dimness. No, he wants to bring on the light for us and we move forward with him into things we've never done before, that we take faith-filled risks, doing things we've never done before. I kind of feel we took a faith-filled risk on Good Friday, being out in the community. But man, God worked through that. God works when we say yes to him, when we say yes to him. And so... When you come to Jesus like that, with an open heart and a desire to go from darkness to light, God looks on you with love, and he says, with a fierce desire in his eyes, come, come to me, come to me. I have a journey to take you. I want you to walk. You won't believe the joy that I have for you. You won't believe the joy. When I stepped into my faith in Christ at the age of 15, I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to. I didn't really understand all it meant. I didn't really understand, have all my questions answered. And I was afraid. I didn't want my life to change. I didn't want to have to answer to someone else. I liked being my own boss, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't want to answer to someone else. I didn't know what it would mean for my life. But then I just got to that moment where it was like I just knew enough to believe and to know it's true that Jesus really did die for my sins. I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't deny it anymore. And so I stepped into faith and asked Jesus into my life. And what I didn't expect was the unbelievable joy. I didn't expect that. Fears I didn't even know I had were taken away. I realized it after the fact. I remember walking out after my baptism, uh, you know, and I think I've told this story here before, perhaps that, you know, coming out on, it was Christmas time, it was Christmas season, and all the lights were out, and all the decorations for Christmas, and I know some of it was just, you know, people putting it up in their shops to to attract people in, and and some of it's a little bit, you know, cheesy looking, but you know what, I realized this is all because of Jesus, (laughs) and I was so filled with joy, it was crazy joy, I I had a Christmas like I'd never had Christmas before. (laughs) 
And so God wants to do that for you too today. He wants you to have an Easter like you've never had before. He's calling you to his resurrection power, to have the courage to look to Jesus and say, I believe. What comes next? What do we do next, God? So how did Jesus go from Good Friday to Easter? There was darkness. There was an earthquake. But at the end of three days, there was an empty tomb with light streaming in. And we read it's because of the working of God's mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Don't underestimate the power of God in your life, in my life. Don't underestimate it. Acts 2.24 says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the act of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible. Impossible. There's nothing in the world too hard for God. So again, it's not too hard for God to take you from darkness to light to restore broken relationships, to, to make good on the wasted years of your life and bring you into a new life, to restore your family, to restore your peace, to take you from stress to, to, to settled peace and contentment, to transform our anxieties and our fears into trust in God. It took power and strength, and God can do it in your life as, as he has in mine and continues to do day by day by day. So we can have this Easter joy if we just believe. And so for those of you who maybe have never believed in Jesus and don't know what that means, what it means is simply saying to him, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sins and I want to be forgiven and enter into a new life with you. And it's as simple as that. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work hard, be better to do it. No, we come to him as we are with all of our faults, with all of our sins, with all the things we've messed up, with the attitudes we know we have inside. We come to him like that and he says, let's go. I'm going to forgive your sins and we're going to start to walk together. And there's a journey that we go on together. And then he starts to, to help us to become more like him. God is speaking to us out of our earthquakes today. He's speaking to us, shaking us out of our comfort zones and giving us courage to say yes to him. I'm going to end with this quote from Pope John Paul II, which I love. He says, Do not abandon yourselves to despair. We are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's pray for a moment. Let's close our eyes. And here in the vineyard, we, we always have a moment after a message that we call ministry time. And it's a time for you simply to reflect on what you've heard. We're going to have just a very quiet song being played. And this is a moment for you to reflect on what you heard. And some of you may feel that you want to be prayed for, to pray with someone about what you've been hearing. That, yes, you want to give your heart to Jesus to start to walk with him, maybe for the first time. So our prayer teams are going to come up now, and they're going to be in place. And you can come and be prayed for. Nothing weird, just, they're just going to pray next to you. So I encourage you, if, that's, if something's stirring in your heart, when I feel my heart beat, beating a little bit, I know that's when I need to go get prayer. <laughs> But God is also doing a ministry to you right where you are, too, in your seats. And it doesn't matter if we've never our heart to Jesus or if we've walked with him for many years. He's calling us deeper. He's calling us to trust him. He's calling us to ask for forgiveness of our sins and to step out in faith-filled risks with him.
So Lord, we come to you this morning and we pray that you would speak to us in this moment, these moments of ministry where we're just going to listen for just a few minutes. We're going to listen for your voice. Would you speak, Lord? Would you speak to us? Words of love, words of calling. And God, there may be some of us here today who want to pray. And so if, if that is you today, just pray with me, Lord. I believe, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. And I want to be forgiven of my sins and begin to walk with you, Jesus. I want to begin this journey with you. I don't have all my questions answered, but I know that I want to follow you. So I pray you would pray that prayer. Let's spend a few moments in quietness as we respond to the Lord.